Welcome to the audio podcast of the Edward Jones Chatting Cage, the show where you can talk face-to-face with your favorite MLB players and personalities. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this round of the Edward Jones Chatting Cage. I am JB in the studio as we monitor all things approaching the trade deadline. That's right. We are within minutes of it. And the guys that lead us right up to it, Jonathan Mayo and Jim Duquette, as they will answer your questions, uh, prognosticate on the future of baseball, and let you know what deals are any good. Gentlemen, thanks for being with us. What's going on, JB? Hey. Hey, it's uh, always good to have you guys here. Let me uh, walk you guys through how things work and how the show works. Folks, if you are uh, watching the show, you can uh, push the button, get in line, and join the show, and then uh, be like this fan. Ask these guys a question directly. What's your name? What's your question for uh, Jim and Mayo? Hey, my name is Mauricio, and I was just wondering what you guys think about the Sonny Gray trade and how it helps the athletics and the Yankees. Well, let me talk about it from the Major League side. The Yankees really, I think, upgraded their rotation, not only with Gray, but with Garcia. You know, Pineda's been out. And the way Gray has been pitching, I like trading for hot pitchers, uh, you know, during the trade deadline. And he's been one of the hottest uh, in baseball. Eight, last eight starts ERA in the mid one. So uh, he's a two pitch, more of a two-pitch mix, fastball, curveball. You've been watching him since he's an, an amateur. And right. there has always been go. questions about his health from that point. He stayed relatively healthy with his arm. He's got two 200-inning uh, uh, stints behind him. This year, pitching more like it was maybe back in 2014. He's at a 1.2, 1.3 war. You know, could end up uh, in that, let's say, mid-twos or something by the end of the season. I really like it from the Yankees because you can control him for beyond next year. He's inexpensive, relatively speaking, and it cuts down on what they'll have to do next year when it comes to uh, finding starting rotation help. Right, and I think from the Yankees' standpoint, it's one of the things they're doing a little more smartly. I think in years past, they would have just traded prospects away for two-month rental. Right. right. Um, and they did that, you know, uh, they've done that in the past, but uh, in this case, they have them for a little more control. From the A's standpoint, I mean, it's a pretty good return. I don't know if they would have gotten better if everyone returns to health, and that's really the the big if with the prospects that the A's got. You know, uh, Dustin Fowler is the highest ranked of the three, and he's got 20-20 potential, or at least did. We need to see what happens with the knee uh, once he comes back. I think even if it doesn't come all the way back where he doesn't have the plus speed that allows him to steal bases, maybe he's a, a left or maybe a right fielder. He was a good outfielder. He still has the pop. Um, so I think he still has you know, the chance to be a, a quality outfielder even without the speed. Uh, James Caprillion, we've barely seen him pitch at all. Uh, you know, I, I think they probably made a mistake in trying to let him rehab. I, don't, I would love to see a study done on how many guys try to rehab an elbow injury and then need Tommy John right. surgery. So in effect, he's missed two years. Saw him in the Arizona Fall League, and he was ridiculously good. So if you feel good about the Tommy John procedure and percentages show – uh, that you do tend sure. to come back now better than than maybe 10 years ago, uh, then you're getting you know a really good 2020 caliber outfielder, and you're getting a, a guy who's a top 100 caliber pitching prospect. Oh, and Jorge Mateo, who might be the fastest guy in the minor leagues right now, struggled a little bit with uh, with effort from time to time, but it looked like a switch went off when he moved up to Double A this year, Duke, and uh, he can play shortstop, he can play center field, uh, and he can flat out run, and that kind of speed is hard to find. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Mauricio, for the excellent question about the Sonny Gray trade that just went down recently as we approach the trade deadline here in Major League Baseball. Let's cue up the EDJ question of the day before we scoop ourselves on that, gents. Jim, Jonathan, what do you think has been the most interesting move so far? Uh, I'll I'll start. I mean, for me, I thought um, the way that the Royals filled their needs – 
you know, so so maybe not just one need, but the, I mean, there was one big trade, obviously, when they got Trevor Cahill and they got Brandon Maher and, and, and Bookter, the, the left-handed reliever. If you had, you know, those three pieces, to be able to fill needs uh, in three different spots, they gave up pretty good talent. There's no doubt about it uh, with Strom and, and a couple other guys that they like. But for me, that was under-the-radar deal, uh, filling the needs and, and really surprising a lot of people there. And you know what? The Royals have kind of taken off since that trade too. So they've gotten the, the benefit here short-term. Uh, not uh, too many long-term pieces, but they're not built for the long-term right now. So I like that one in particular. I think under the radar is the only way they could go. Their farm system was not that deep. So for them to be able to better their major league roster with given, you know, given what they had in their system, right. I think they did a very nice job with that. Am I allowed to go back to the Jose Quintana deal? Sure. sure. That, am I allowed to use it? Because to me, you know, everyone was knocking down the White Sox door to see if they would trade him during the winter when they, when they made the other big trades. And they were, I thought, really smart to wait. Uh, there was no rush. They had him under control for, for a while. Uh, I, they probably had a sense that, assuming he pitched at least somewhat the way he'd been pitching, his value was only going to go up as he got closer to the deadline and, and teams needed pitching. And uh, to get uh, a guy like Eloy Jimenez, who's got superstar potential, uh, and Dylan Cease, who's still a ways away and had Tommy John surgery at a really young age, and we don't have a lot of data on that, but throws 100 and has a ridiculous curveball, uh, I think they did a really, really good job of maximizing what they could get in return for him. A fan joins us here in the cage. What is your name? What's your question for Jonathan and Jim? Hey, guys, I'm Alex, and I was wondering what teams do you think might have missed out on their chance to make a move? I mean, that's a, that's a tough one. You know, I, I, I guess, you know, I'm in Pittsburgh, and right. they were kind of on the fence. I mean, if they move Tony Watson, that's fine. Uh, Andrew McCutcheon was the one, you know, I hadn't heard his name. I know he got red hot, and then they started playing better. So, I, you know, uh, they weren't desperate to move him, right. but that would have been the one that would have been like, well, maybe they should have maximized, you know, that's going to be a wait and see what happens in the offseason sure. with him maybe before you that. But that's the... I'll be the homer, and that's the first one that kind of jumps to my head. Continue to hashtag Chad and Cage, and I'll read the questions or the MLB fans app. I'll go back to social now. Jonathan, you uh, talked about being the prospects guy, so let's go to a prospects-based question. Um, where was it? Oh, uh, at Wheelin and Dealin wants to know, uh, who are the most interesting prospects, and I guess your definition on interesting can be wide, uh, involved in the trades thus far? Well, there's a lot, because I've been putting together a list, and I think we're uproars around 30 guys from top 30 lists who have been wow. who have been traded. Um, so, you know, the, the top 100 guys are the easiest ones to, to tick off. Eli Jimenez and Dylan Cease already talked about. Uh, Candelario is another one. Fowler uh, is is one more. Um, you know, so, so that's always been interesting. I think, you know, there are some teams, like you look at the Detroit Tigers and the Miami Marlins, and they've added four and five guys to their top 30s. These are teams that have largely been known as guys who trade from their farm system to better the big league roster. So now they're trying to, to build some depth. So if I'm going to throw out one name uh, that's sort of under the radar, I'd say Jesus Lozardo of the, of the A's. He was a really talented kid from the high school ranks not that long ago, had Tommy John surgery, uh, and is just getting back and been throwing really, really well uh, when the A's were able to pick him up. Uh, that's outstanding. Thank you, Jonathan. And now uh, I'm going to turn it back around. Uh, Jim, there's a couple of different theories about People are asking mostly about the trade deadline with the experiences like that. So I'm going to go with uh, Backyard Baller who wants to know, how do you manage competing offers to get the best deal? 
Yeah, that's uh, that's to me that's the, the more, more difficult aspect of being a GM, and you know there's a lot of factors that are involved with that, and and you know, you have finding out the medical, uh, are there any uh, injury issues with any of those players, com you know, competing offers? Uh, is one scout that's recommending uh, your list of guys is he a little bit better evaluator than maybe the other scout? Have, is there anybody in your organization that has seen both organizations and both uh, sets of of, uh, of players so that you can use that set of eyes to rank them, you know, and which is the best offer. The analytics goes into it these days more than it ever has, but that becomes, you know, it becomes difficult. And how do you play, how do you try to move up the offer on one kind of negotiation, you know, let's say a, a, a negotiation skills are a big part of kind of pushing the, the offers up on the table. So, uh, in, in, in trying to get more from a, a particular team and you can't do it if you don't have another team that's uh, actively involved. So, you know, I think that to me is, is one of the hardest aspects is how do you evaluate these guys? Um, and how do you, you know, what value do you put on it? And then and eventually some of the reasons that, that, you know, you, you end up making a deal, uh, become a personal one is, do you trust the general manager across the table that you're dealing with, you know, or on the phone with, uh, you know, with the players you're coming back, or do you kind of defer to maybe a lesser package because you can trust that guy? There's a lot of different factors, but just, just the, you know, you're trying to get the best talent, but you know, if everything is equal, you know, there may be one way you get swayed over another. Uh, outstanding, Jim. Thanks for that insight as well. Uh, the reports are in now. Uh, looks like John Heyman, our friend Jonathan Heyman, Ken Rosenthal, both saying, uh, this go back to the conversation, and you guys can both pick on different angles of this. Uh, the reports are Pirates trade Tony Watson to the Dodgers pending medical review. Jonathan, thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, they're sort of in limbo. They're, you know, they were hanging around, and then they kind of fell back, I guess, uh, in this recent road trip, and uh, they didn't blow up everything at the big league level, but Watson was a guy who had really righted the ship after struggling earlier in the year and been uh, pitching extremely well out of the Pirates' bullpen. So it, it makes some sense as sort of a, and, and they've shown that's kind of their go-to around the deadline is uh, they, they help find bullpen arms and then they flip them uh, to try to add to their, to their depth. I mean, we don't know what the return is yet, but the Dodgers have a really, really good system. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, what a Tony Watson gets. Uh, this has been a reliever's market for sure. Yeah, it has, you know, and, and that's the thing. It's, you know, from the Dodgers side, they they were looking for some back-end relief help. I think if you look at them overall, I mean, they've been so good overall that it's hard to find, you know, one weakness, if there is a weakness with the right. Dodgers. And I don't, I don't really think that there is. But, you know, as we saw in the playoffs last year, to me, to try to make sure you have enough bullpen help so you don't have to use Clayton Kershaw in relief like they <laughs> did last year, uh, you know, was valuable enough to go get a, a guy like Watson. And Watson's a guy that's because he's been uh, hot lately – you know, there was a little bit more value uh, him, with him than there was early in the season. He lost his job as the closer, and there was some concern that the, that the Pirates would be able to get anything in return right. for him. So the fact that he's rebounded, it certainly helped the Pirates. I'm sure the return will be interesting. But the Dodgers, I think, got a, a good pitcher, a hot pitcher that can get lefties and righties out. Uh, outstanding. Thanks for that. Uh, looking at both sides of that, that big conversation, as we said, was just reported. Nothing official yet, but it looks like those reports are accurate. So there we have the insight on the Watson move. Fan joins us here in the chatting cage. What's your name? What's your question for Jonathan Hi, and Jim? Uh, Hi, uh, my name is Justin. I was just wondering which of the players traded you think will make the biggest impact on their new team? Biggest impact on a new team? Well, I mean, talking about major league level, I would say 
you know, for me, uh, it's hard to go away from Quintana or Gray. Those are the two high-profile uh, names that uh, that are you know have been moved so far. Uh, I think that um, you know, if if I had to choose between one or the other, I probably we've already seen the impact that Quintana's had, and the team's already improved themselves and taken over first place. It's a tough call. I've always been a Quintana guy. Uh, he's been under the radar over the last four years. Been one of the tops in terms of ERA and other other uh, uh, metrics. Um, and I like left-handed pitchers in general, so I'd probably go with Quintana over Gray, but it's pretty darn close. Yeah, I, I would probably uh, agree with that overall. And one of the things that you can't quantify, I think, is the impact it has on everybody else. One, people don't have to feel they have to do more than they're capable of. And two, just that that mental boost, I think, when your GM goes and gets guys to help for, for a playoff run. You know, I'm sure the Yankees at the big league level are now like, all right, we just got Sunday Gray, let's go. And I think you're going to see that, at least initially, that little energy boost just from, from the acquisition itself. Outstanding. Uh, thanks for your thoughts there. Thanks for the fans for joining us again. This is the Edward Jones Chatting Cage. That's Jonathan Mayo and Jim Duquette taking your questions right here. The hashtag is Chatting Cage, or you fire up your device and join us like this fan. What's your name? What's your question? Jordan. My name is Jordan, and do you think the Rays will make any more moves, like with Sergio Romo, Steve Cichet? Yeah, all of those deals, right? I mean, I, it seems like they're pretty much done. I mean, they've had been more active, Jonathan, than we've seen in recent years. And they haven't had to give up a ton of talent either in their system. I mean, Lucas Duda they picked up for not a lot. Um, you know, he mentioned Romo, a couple other bullpen pieces that they've, uh, that they've picked up that I thought were, were quality guys. But um, I, from the sense of it, I think they've done most of their, of their heavy lifting and, and most of uh, where, you know, where they're going to come from in terms of uh, you know, building their club it's, or improvement from the club is, is internal. Brad Miller's back from the disabled list. Wilson Ramos is back uh, injured. And Kevin Kiermeyer is due to come back pretty soon. So um, all of those things, I think the Rays are pretty much done. That's my sense. Yeah, and Casey Gillespie, I think, was the, the best yeah. guy. And he did really struggled this year in AAA. So they haven't had to give... You know, they were finding, I think, bits and pieces. I think a lot of this trade market has kind of been drips and drabs. There hasn't been outside of, you know, the right. Sunny Gray and the Quintana earlier. There haven't been those those huge trades. And keep in mind that we get past this deadline and teams can still make trades. You just have to pass a guy through through waivers and we won't bore you with, uh, with the inanities of, you know, of, of, of those rules. But it, uh, you know, there will still be some moves. So if the Rays feel that they need to, to fill a hole, they, they can go that route if they need to. Uh, outstanding, and it would never be boring, you guys. Even if it was you two breaking it down, I could sit through waiver rules for hours on end. Oh, don't, don't tempt us. Uh, we, I've done arbitration with Jim. Yes, so you have. Yes, you, yeah, you didn't like Don't that think, I don't know. Uh, so it looks like uh, as the, we're right at 4 o'clock now, some other deals are coming through that have been at least reported and look like they might be finalized. This one reported from Rosenthal again that Singrani has been traded to the Dodgers. Your thoughts on that deal? Well, Tony Singrani's a, a, a really a plus arm, lefty that um, it really has good stuff that has gone from the starting rotation to the bullpen. Uh, you know, again, adding depth. What, what the Dodgers have been doing a lot of times with their ro rotation is they're going what we're seeing with a lot of these teams going with uh, maybe not as deep into the game, uh, but they go with, uh, you know, batter's face, getting outs. You know, total number of outs really matters more than anything else. The starter looks like he's run out of gas. They go to the bullpen pretty quickly. Dave Roberts is, is able to do that. So if you had a guy like Watson who can pitch more of a one-inning guy and then Singrani can give you two-plus the way the Reds were using him, 
you know, and, and again, another, another left-hander. So here they have a ton of left-handed starters. Now they're going with two more lefty uh, relief pitchers. Those guys in the sabermetric side of it from the Dodgers, I think, have found something, you know, that the, the lefty pitchers certainly uh, have a marketplace for them. So uh, I, I like any time you're improving your club, and Singrani's a guy that you can control for a couple years. Yeah, and, and, you know, some of those sort of auxiliary numbers are still pretty good. He's still missing bats. Uh, you know, he's not had the, the, the kind of year I think they probably would have loved to have seen. But, uh, you know, as you said, the, the stats guys, they, they see some of the things that he is capable of doing. I think both Watson and Singrani have shown in the past the ability to get lefties and righties out. So it makes them a little more interesting right. than just the straight left-on-left -left specialist. Although you could make Singrani a guy like that if, uh, if that's the role you need him to fill. Uh, there you have it. It's one of the latest bits of news. Uh, talk about starters and rotation and how they help it out. Obviously, the Houston Astros have a tremendous season. Uh, Stroh's goes two. Wants to know what do you think about the deal that put Liriano down there in Houston? Well, I, you know, listen, I, I like uh, you know the Astros as a team. I think they needed some more depth. To me, I thought they had a lot of quantity when it comes to arms. Uh, they were lacking a little bit in quality because of the health of Keiko and the health of McCullers. Liriano has always been. Uh, a lottery ticket for me. He pitches when he's pitching well. He's got great stuff, swing and miss stuff. And when he doesn't, he's very inconsistent and and has a hard time getting out. So, you know that one's a little bit of a risk for me. Now they didn't give up an awful lot in return. So you know I think the risk and reward factor there is is pretty good. It's it's measured from the Astro side. But for me, I was looking, and again we still haven't seen the final yet. But I was hoping for Houston's sake that we would see a, a higher-end starting pitcher, and so far we haven't seen it. They had they, they had the ability to go and do that. They had the, the trade chips if they wanted. And Teoscar Hernandez, the guy that they, they gave up to uh, to get Leona, is pretty good. Um, I mean, he's going to slot in pretty high into the uh, into the Blue Jays' top ten. Uh, the Blue Jays' system is not quite as good as, as the Astros, but uh, he's a guy who's just about ready to help out. He's got some power and some speed. So an interesting piece to get for a guy that was kind of uh, – very much expendable, at least from the Blue Jays standpoint. All right. Well, there you have it, folks. We have crossed the threshold of the MLB trade late line. Uh, Jim and Jonathan, I want to thank you guys. You have fun breaking these things down. Looking forward to uh, just pure speculation from here on out. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks, JB. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are the best. Keep up the incredible work. We'll keep tabs with you. And as always, fans, thank you for making the Edward Jones Chatting Cage worth doing. It makes my job so simple. We'll see you in the next round.